What's up, guys? Thanks for coming back to Lockdown Universe, where we're always trying to bring you the most updated information every day. I just want to remind you guys to like and subscribe to both the Lockdown Universe channel as well as the Lockdown Universe's Aliens channel, where we'll have new content coming every day to both channels. If you do that, you'll get notifications as soon as an episode is available. So please like and subscribe both channels, and you'll get that information. Thank you, and let's get to the episode. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Lockdown Universe, home of the bizarre, peculiar, and unheard of stories of UFO legend and lore. And today I've got a really interesting one for you, and it's really going to knock your socks off. Uh, I came across this article on TommyToy.TypePad.com, and it is a head-scratcher. It basically is an article written by a man who states that he worked with Steve Jobs and that they worked on alien technology that was recovered in 1972 by Apollo 20 astronauts who discovered a mysterious device of alien origin laying on the surface of the moon. Now this device appeared to be the size of a phone with a, pa a screen on it that had been broken and they didn't know what this thing was. So they brought it back to Earth and tried to reverse engineer it and apparently they were able to reverse engineer it to a degree. So that was in 1972, and for the next few years they tried to work on this thing. In 1978, Steve Jobs and this unnamed individual who wrote this article, because he didn't want to get in trouble, uh, <clears throat> states that they were contacted by NASA scientists to determine what this thing was and whether or not they could commercialize it for the public, which we know that they do because we've, read or hopefully you've heard my podcast on Philip Corso who is in control of dispersing alien technology into commercial uh, industrial use. So I'll go on with this article. It's quite lengthy so I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to finish it in one podcast but I'll do my best. If I can't I'll make it a two-parter. But basically <clears throat> what's written here and I'll just kind of read the article a little bit and, and comment on it as I go. Uh, but basically, this man states, I am a former Apple employee. He didn't want to give his name out, so he, he goes by the acronym uh, or the uh, false identity, Simon Apocryphal. And he states that he was one of Apple's original employees and that in 1977, Apple had just introduced the Apple II. He states he's a hardware engineer by trade uh, and that it wasn't, wasn't too uncommon for hardware engineers to work primarily with software as well. The industry was still very young, and there were relatively few people with formal education in computer science. So not a lot of people had formal education yet uh, in coding and that kind of thing. So anyway, in 78, Jobs requested that this Simon Apocryphal and Mike Markula 
another engineer <clears throat> that is going under a pseudonym um, to go to this meeting. So they go to this meeting and they have to sign a non-disclosure agreement with jobs before they even go to the meeting. Okay, so this is a non-disclosure agreement that they sign and then they go off to this meeting. When they go to this meeting, apparently they go to this company called Affiliated Xanatech in Palo Alto, California. Well, if you guys know anything about the tech companies, they're all located right around Palo Alto. You know, you got Facebook, you know, Twitter, Instagram, all the big ones, uh, as well as a lot of startup app companies. They're all around Palo Alto. So <clears throat> they go into this company and apparently they were asking high-tech companies like Apple at the time to commercialize this bleeding-edge technology that they were in possession of. So the, the government, what they do is they use their technology for a certain period of time and then they want to commercialize it in America so that American companies can make the money off of it, so that the money stays in America. So if you think about it from a generalized perspective and you know military and government perspective and economic perspective, they want to keep the money in the country. So it makes sense to commercialize some of this bleeding edge tech. So that's what they do. <clears throat> so this man goes on to say, uh, Simon goes on to say, we were told that the government was looking into ways to fund black projects by licensing patents to companies like Apple in exchange for a complete secrecy as to the true source of the technology. So this is really interesting whistleblower stuff here. Private industry in Silicon Valley was responsible for some of the most incredible technological leaps in history, and this fact didn't go unnoticed by the U.S. government and the military. So they were told to not to speak of, it, of this with anyone in their Apple country, a company as well as Steve Wozniak, who you guys know is one of the founders of Apple. So furthermore, they were told that the military would perform a thorough background check on this, of course. You know, they were going to need top secret clearance. They, you know, we kind of know that. Um, so it was an invasive background search on them. So once they went to this affiliated Xanatech Corporation of February 1979. Uh, they arrived around 9 a.m. on a Tuesday morning, and the building was just a one-story structure with a standard parking lot, one security guard standing at a small house at the entrance. So they were greeted, though, at the entrance by five uh, men in black uniforms carrying very imposing M16s. They continued to escort them to an elevator where they went down about three floors, possibly more, and he later discovered that the facility had about eight sublevels. So that's really interesting because, you know, a lot of these, these whatever you want to call them, bases or top secret facilities have all these levels underground. So they look unassuming on the surface. They might have one level, two levels, whatever, but underneath they've got like eight levels. So they don't they don't draw a lot of attention. They don't draw a lot of questions, whereas, you, you know, you might have questions about an eight-story building that only has a few employees, right? So it kind of starts making sense. Um, <clears throat> so they met two men in military uniforms in a large conference room, and they started getting debriefed. And he, this man states, Simon Apocryphal states, that there's very few moments in life which your entire worldview is turned forever upside down. And for him, this moment in time was one of them. He states he still remembers that turning point to this very day during the briefing when he realized that 
what they were actually being told was that one, there was extraterrestrials for the first time, and the whole room seemed to kind of, you know, turn sideways for him, and his mind is jumping back and forth between the speaker, trying to understand him better and look at people around him to see if anyone was having reactions to it, and and so he was fascinated but confused at the same time. And then he looked at Steve Jobs, who was listening intently, and he stated for the first time that he could ever recall this was the only time Steve Jobs didn't have anything to say. He just simply nodded (laughs) and watched in amazement. So listen to uh, the speaker talk about was Project Karma with a C, C C-A-R-M-A. So uh, it's an acronym. It's for Commercialization of Alien Resources for Market Assimilation. So what does that mean? They're trying to commercialize these alien technologies into the market. They want to make money. That's what we're talking about, right? Keeping money in the United States. So their job, according to Simon, is to examine recovered alien artifacts, come up with commercial applications for them related to the computer industry. So for the next four months, they were continued to be briefed on the true nature of the project um, and he stated that if they ever went public with the information that they would be erased from existence according to the article that's what he states uh, he states furthermore that agents threatened to erase their entire family and friends and they worked under the barrel of a gun they were on a need-to-know basis and they were only given a very narrow description of the origins of the artifacts. Now, what's really interesting here to me is that they actually were told that these these artifacts were alien. They could have said the government could have said, "Hey, these are artifacts from that we recovered from a ship from China, or that we recovered on a mission to Iraq, or you know, on a mission to wherever." Right? But they actually told them that it were, they were alien artifacts. Now. Did they have to tell them that? Maybe. Because maybe these guys knew that this technology didn't exist anywhere else. I don't know. Um, So obviously these guys stayed quiet. um, And they discouraged the individuals from talking about the alien connections. And to never bring it up unless they were asked specific questions about the alien portion of the artifact. Um. And he, he says that getting information about the artifacts at all was like pulling teeth. The answers were really slow to come if they came at all. Um, and he stated that they weren't the only team that was working on artifacts. Uh, however, Apple was the only team from the Silicon Valley. So that's interesting. So where did these other companies come from, right? Um, he says that Apple was chosen was because they were small and they were, they were hungry. They, they desired to grow more because Apple was still kind of small at the time. But they knew that these companies were going to get big. Well, how did the government just happen to know these 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 companies were going to get big? How did they just happen to know that? Did they use Project Looking Glass to look into the future to see which companies were going to utilize this technology the best and then select those individuals from those companies to create what they created, which was eventually all, all the products that Apple has to offer and more? Let's take a look. Some of the other companies um, that were involved were obviously Boeing, General Electric, General Motors, Union Carbide Corporation, 
uh, and they were examining some of the same artifacts that Apple was given to, um, and others were given certain limits so they couldn't have access to what they were looking at. So what he saw, so this is where it gets really interesting, and I know we're at the 11-minute mark. This is where it gets interesting because they had access to an advanced computer system called the LAAC, Luminous Autonomous Ignition Computer. He states that the LAAC was approximately the size of a soda can, and its interface was difficult to explain. It didn't have a screen or a projection of any kind. It projected its communication to the user's mind. So the object was activated by hovering your hand over the top, and it was deactivated in the same way. And upon activation, an almost dreamlike image with vivid color appeared in your mind. And they were told that some of the first people to use this suffered, suffered horrible physical uh, trauma, uh, like embolisms and um, death and severe migraines. However, the machine adjusted itself to the human anatomy to work. And he states, for a lack of a better term, they referred to its capabilities as magic. That the government wasn't interested in having them understand how it worked. They just wanted them to know it works. And they wanted to understand how they can make this into a commercially viable product. So we're not there yet even, right? I mean, we can't wave our hand over something and have it beam its information into our mind. Not yet. But who's working on that kind of technology? The Neuralink company owned by none other than Elon Musk. So <clears throat> going back to this article, he states that if the user wanted to draw an image with the LAAC, uh, it created a sophisticated, a sophisticated palette with a set of advanced primitives. So he stated that the program uh, could be similar to Adobe Photoshop in a way. Uh, with a few very obvious differences. Um, and they didn't have any user's manuals. Um, so they were trying to interface it with a computer and that the LAAC was able to quickly interface with the computer and they were able to utilize some of this tech to create, develop, and test some of the operating systems that would be utilized on Lisa and later on Macintosh. So he states that a lot of people have been fed the story that Apple got a lot of its ideas for the first operating systems based on Xerox, P-A-R-C. However, it's only partially true. He states that while there is some technology there um, that they utilized from the P-A-R-C, most of it was only for in reference to the mouse. Everything else was pretty much dedicated to the LAAC. So from 1978 to 1985, they worked on the LAAC for seven years. Seven years they had all this technology. I mean, and think about how much technology they gained and gleaned from this tech. I mean, it's unbelievable, right? And we look at Apple. Apple's always been leading the way. They've been way ahead of Microsoft, way ahead of IBM, way ahead of any other computing technology corporations out there, right? So <clears throat> why is that the case? Well, for one, they had the LAAC, and they had access to alien tech. The other is that Steve worked with multiple teams. Steve Jobs worked with multiple teams and acted as a facilitator. 
and apparently he had uh, some other access to the some other tech that these other guys didn't have, which gave him apparently, according to this article, a famous reality distortion field, which seemingly gives you a magical influence over people. So it distorts their reality. And we've heard about these kind of technologies before, right? We've heard about technologies that can interfere with the human thought process or can cause individuals to to alter their emotions and their moods through sound, through uh, vibrations, and through other technologies uh, like that DARPA has developed, right? We've heard about uh, the HARP technology, well, that they can change weather. Well, we've also heard that it can change individuals' moods, individuals' feelings, emotions, and so on, uh, through uh, vibrations, radio waves, and so on and so forth. So this individual, Simon, who wrote this article, states that Steve actually had a reality distortion field which gave him magical influencing powers over people. And he utilized that throughout his entire career. Although he did leave Apple for some time, he made up the disagreement with John Scully so that he could create another company, which was an agreement that the government had made in order to give him this technology. They did not want a monopoly to take over. They wanted multiple companies to have have the ability to have the access to this tech as well as to not take over the government. So they forced Steve Jobs to create another company, and then later he was allowed to come back to Apple. So <clears throat> this Karma project continued, and they continued to release Macintosh, Mac OS, and you know. And what's interesting about Mac OS is it's it, it's impenetrable. You can't break its code, right? But look at Microsoft. You can break code all day long. You can hack into Microsoft's computers, no problem. Can you hack into an Apple? It's highly unlikely. You can't break its technology. You can't get viruses. Well, why is that? It's because their code's that good. Their code came from alien technology. They had the they had the tech in front of them, and they based their tech, they based their OS right off of alien technology. And this is brand new info to me, so I'm sure it's brand new info to you. Uh, but it's not uh, it's not me making it up. You can go on this article and read it for yourself. Uh, so if you just type in Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs, Aliens, and Tommy Toy. Put that into Google. You're going to find this article and read it for yourself. So I think I actually got through the vast majority of this. You know, I can I can elaborate, you know, and talk about how, you know, Apple came out with the first smartphone. Apple came out with the first iPod, right? Apple came out with all these new technologies before anybody else. And then Samsung and LG copied them, copied their smartphone tech copied all this other stuff that, that they came out with the iPhones and the app or the the iPads you know came out with like the the Microsoft Microsoft Zoom I think they had and that went nowhere you know so I mean <clears throat> it's the first first company to the finish line wins the first company to put things out wins and they're always seen as the greatest company and Apple always did that so when you look at when you look at the history of Apple and you look at at this article and you put, you know, the pieces of the pie together, the pieces of the puzzle together, you can really see what happened. You know, so it's really interesting. But it's interesting that the tech didn't come from a crash ship on Earth. The, the tech actually came from a device that they found on the moon through the Apollo 20 mission. 
uh, and brought back in 1972. So you have astronauts who were involved in this. You have Apple involved in this. You have all those other companies, General Motors, GE, um, <clears throat> and and others involved in this. And, you know, it just goes on and on and on. And if you remember... Eisenhower even talked about this. He said, "Watch out for the military-industrial complex because they're working together, and they're gonna they're gonna control the world." And that's kind of kind of true to a degree. I mean, the military has been disseminating this tech to commercial companies so they can, you know, distribute it down to the general consumer, which is us. Is that necessarily a bad thing? Not necessarily. However, if it's not truly coming from human hands you know in 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 reality we're not actually developing it we're just kind of copying it and and twerking it down so we can use it for ourselves if it's not being developed by us then theoretically it can always be monitored by somebody else it could be monitored by aliens it could be monitored by um anyone so that's that's kind of a a concern there nonetheless really interesting story it's sad that steve jobs isn't still with us because uh, we could ask him some questions but uh i doubt he'd <laughs> he'd want to talk to any of us uh standard folk but uh really interesting story hope you enjoyed it hopefully you guys are having a great weekend i hope uh you guys are continuing to follow through on your passions and your goals and your dreams that you're focusing on your physical health and your mental health and your spiritual health emotional health Get out there and enjoy nature if you can. It's it's a you know we got summer still for a few more weeks, and then fall. So really try to enjoy it. Go sit by the water, you know, take a walk in the forest. Enjoy your time. This is a special time, even though we have some difficulties with COVID. Uh, we can still enjoy our lives. So anyway, until next time, continue the question universe around you. Lockdown universe out.